Okay, well, let's get into the lesson here. We're going to continue in the book of Acts. Acts 17, 18, and again into 19. Let's remember what's going on here a bit. I got a couple of maps here. Uh, Paul's going around preaching the word. He's on a mission. And remember, he's gone around to, uh, to these places in Pisidia. He's been to Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, And he's going to go back to uh, Antioch, and he's going to go back out again. And that's where these chapters are kind of taking us here. They call it, you know, the second missionary journey. Um, so he's going to go back through and kind of revisit some places that he's been before. And that's very important about missions, isn't it? It's not just planting the seed. It's not just helping people come to faith, but it's about helping that seed to grow and encouraging and strengthening. And so we see that in Paul's missions, but he's also been given a vision and, and a message from God to go to Macedonia. And you can see on the map here where Macedonia is, you're going across the Aegean Sea. And so we're going to get out there a little further and further away from Jerusalem. And remember that theme scripture, Acts 1 verse 8, the word going out from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth. So it's, it's getting out, it's growing, it's, 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 it's going to reach the entire known world. So here we're going to see Paul go from Philippi. He's going to go to Thessalonica. Uh, he's going to run into some trouble there. And then he's going to go to Berea. And the trouble's going to follow him from Thessalonica to Berea. And they want to keep chasing him around uh, eventually to Athens and to Corinth. And, and then he's going to make his way over to Ephesus. That's where we're going to run into, uh, actually in Corinth, we're going to meet Priscilla and Aquila. And they're going to travel with him to Ephesus. And, and then they're going to stay there in Ephesus and, while Paul goes back to Jerusalem. And uh, so, so we see a lot happening here. Churches being started, the message getting out. We're introduced to great uh, men and women of faith. We see a lot of great conversions here. So let's pick it up here, Acts 17 in verse 1. Let's read this together. It says, uh, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphilophilus, if, I don't even know how to say that one. <laughs> In Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out of the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. Okay, here we got a new hero here, Jason. I like this guy. Uh, he's showing hospitality uh, to Paul and Silas. And, uh, you know, and there's some great things going on in Thessalonica. People are coming to believe, but then they're going to have some opponents. 
some Jews that get really, really just fired up, heated. Um, it says they become jealous of Paul. And um, we're going to draw that out just a little bit here. And what I'm calling this is, is we see in these chapters, we see a lot of religious people, spiritual people, devoted to God in some way. Some are going to come to faith in Jesus and others are not. And we're going to see that those who are really focused on defending their religion are, are not going to follow Jesus. They're going to get really uh, irritated. They're going to get defensive. They're going to be jealous. And they're not going to listen. But we see others who are also very religious and very devoted that they're going to have these huge changes in their beliefs. These, the, the, they're going to come to a greater and a different understanding than they had before. And I think what we're going to learn here is, is in the question we got to ask ourselves is, are, are we defending religion or are we seeking the truth? Here we see uh, the, the word jealous, uh, zeloo. Uh, the Greek word there. It's, it's this zeal, this, this jealous envy and, and coveting. And, and uh, you see how this, this, it can be meant to be a, a good thing, having a zeal, a righteous zeal, but this is a, a jealousy against uh, Paul and Silas and what they're preaching, what they're doing. And they see a lot of people coming to a belief and they feel threatened. Their way of life and their religion and the way things have been done for centuries, what they have been taught is, is, is being threatened and they refuse to listen. And, and they're so heated about this, they're gonna to try to follow wherever Paul goes and try to make it very hard for him. Um, you know, have you ever felt that way about something that was, that was new, something that threatened uh, your way of life or your, your belief. And, and I'll put it this way, uh, and I'm going to eat some crow here, okay? So, uh, uh, Rochelle, Dries, please do not uh, say anything or comment in the chat line about this comment right now. Because when I was playing college football at Duke, we had a pretty good team, but the team to beat was Florida State. Yeah, I said it. Uh, in 1999, they won the national championship, and, and I hated Florida State. I couldn't stand them. I, you could not find – I could not find a good word to describe anything about Florida State. Um, but why did I feel so, um, you know, heated about them? Because, honestly, I was a little bit jealous because they're good. They were one of the best teams in the country. Yes, Rochelle. Okay, yes, yes, yes. You can laugh right now. Okay, enjoy it. Um, but they're, they're good. They're the best team in the country. And, and, and we felt jealous about that because we all wanted to be that. We all wanted that attention. So it was better for us just to, just to, just to uh, try to tear them down in our hearts and our minds and just hate them. Um, but what smart coaches do, you don't see them, yeah, you're competing against them, yeah, but you learn to say, wow, they're doing something really good. They're playing great football. They're, they're building a great program. How can we take the good things they're doing and model that? Because obviously, as far as football goes, 
they figured something out and we should learn from them. And that's all, that's what people who want to build a great team will do. You look at the Patriots or something in football. Yeah, we all hate them unless you're a Patriots fan. But if you want to build a great program, you say, wow, there's truth in what they've been doing. They've built a great program. We should do some of the things that they're doing. Uh, And you become a humble learner. Um, So you see how that kind of works. Our human tendency is to feel jealous and to make, make them an enemy. But really, you know what? We've got some things to learn. We've got some things to learn. Oh, but let's take it to our religion. When we take it to our faith. When a new idea challenges what we've known. Challenges what our parents taught us. Our grandparents taught us. Where the church we grew up, what they taught when something challenges our thinking, man, that gets really personal. And often our response is to defend our religion rather than to listen to the truth. Let's learn from these these amazing spiritual and humble people that do listen. Let's look at these examples. So that they go on from Thessalonica, to Berea. And I just love this example. They, they see in Berea, Paul and Silas go there on arriving there. This is, this is Acts 17, verse 10. They went to the Jewish synagogue. It says, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness. And they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed as did a great number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So these, these were, were educated people, uh, and, and they listened. They had a humble heart, and they listened to truth, and so many of them came to faith. Uh, and we'll come back to the Bereans in just a minute. Look when he goes to Athens. So here was a little different. It wasn't like they had this huge uh, Jewish population in Athens, but, but there was all the the Areopagus, the, the, the philosophers of the time, and, and look what happens. They, they become listeners as well. When they heard, this is in Athens, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, okay? Some of them just blew them off. But others says, said, we want to hear you again on this subject. You know, I, I think that's a great heart to have, to be a listener. When you hear something and it starts making a little sense to you, Maybe you're not all in right there, but like, yeah, I need to listen. These guys have something to say and something's going on here. Let me be a good listener. Let me really consider this. Is this truth? If it is, maybe I have something to learn. And that happens in Athens. At this, uh, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul. So some believed. And among them was Dionysius. He was a member. He was this great philosopher of the Areopagus and a, a woman named uh, Damaris and a number of others. So many people who were relig- not just Jews, but religious in the, in the Hellenistic sense became believers because they listened and they became convinced of a new truth. In Corinth, he goes to Corinth, Paul leaves the synagogue, he does his thing, he stops to the Jews, and they went next door to the house of uh, Titus Justus, a worshiper of God, Crispus, Listen, look, the synagogue leader. And the entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. 
See, these were people who were searching for truth. They're very religious, just like the, the Jews in Thessalonica. But the difference is, instead of them becoming jealous and defending their religion, they listened, they paused, and they stopped, and they listened, and they considered. And then they came to a decision, this is truth. And how they do that, I think just how the Bereans did, they went back, not just taking Paul's word for it, but they were convinced through the scripture about Jesus Christ. Ephesus, look at this guy, great hero in the Bible, a Jew named Apollos, spiritual leader, religious guy, a preacher, a native of Alexandria. He came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with thorough, a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. This guy knew Torah. And look at this. And he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. So he's got so much on straight. He's very affected, but he lacked some understanding. He knew only the baptism of John. That was from John the Baptist. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and Priscilla and Aquila, they heard him, they invited him in their home, and they explained to him the way of God more adequately. Apollos could have been very defensive. I'm sure he was he had a greater resume than Priscilla and Aquila. And it wasn't about their resume and how much, how scholarly they were, but, it, but Apollos was a truth seeker. And when he saw the truth presented from Priscilla and Aquila about the baptism of Jesus Christ and not just the baptism of John, he, he accepted it. He was convinced and it was different. It was a new understanding. That humility should inspire us. It should lead us. This is who God wants us to be, not defenders of religion, but seekers of the truth. Let's go on for time's sake. Uh, I was going to share a little bit more there, but, but I think this is such a cool example in Acts 19. Let's just read this. This is my last part of the narrative here. Uh, Apollos, he was in Corinth. He, he goes back to Corinth, okay, to help with the mission there and help with the church in Corinth. And, and uh, I, I, I have more I could say about that, but for time's sake, we'll, we'll pause on that. But you can read about Apollos' influence there, even in 1 Corinthians. And uh, some people were siding with Paul or Apollos or Peter. Anyway, um, I, think Apo I think Apollos was just an amazing, amazing orator. I think he was a really great preacher. But Paul took the road uh, through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. And he asked them, Do you did you believe the Holy Spirit when you believe? They answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. It would have been so easy. These guys were disciples of John the Baptist. They were very righteous. They were very devoted. So humble themselves and listen to a new understanding shows me they weren't just defending what had been built in their 
way and their religion, even in just their discipleship of John the Baptist, that these men were seekers of God's truth. Are we seekers? Are we really seekers of God's truth? You know, it's really inspirational and it's exhilarating to be a seeker of truth. If we're just holding on to religion, that old time religion, it's good enough for me. I mean, to me, it's just following a a bunch of rules and God wants us to understand. He wants us to dig. He wants us to, 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 to go back to the scriptures, just like the Bereans did. Look what happens. We're back in, in Acts chapter 17. Look at their example. They received the message, what? With great eagerness. There's these three E's. Eagerness, and they examined the scriptures. How often? Every day to see if what Paul said was true. This is the heart of a truth seeker. Um, you know, I, I think, I think for a lot of us, it may start with that first part, the eagerness. Are we eager? Do we really want to know? Are we wanting to dig and, and find the answers? Um, you know, our heart really comes alive when we, we, we want to know God. There's a friend of mine, I'm, we're studying the Bible together and just, and we're just talking about, um, how we can just experience a walk with the Lord. And, uh, you know, he had never really prayed that much on his own. And, 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 and we're just talking about what prayer is and how we can connect to God. And we did a study on, on uh, the, the manna that came down out of heaven in, in Exodus. And Jesus references that. He says, I am the bread of life. And we talk about what, it, what it's like to, to feed on Jesus and to and to walk with him and to have that daily connection and, and to see those lights go on and, and us talking about this and experiencing it, all of a sudden there's this, this, this new life that, that boils up in us because God created us to seek him, to be in relationship with him. And when we start aligning ourselves that eagerness, it's, it's there, it's in there. It's been buried by so much stuff in our life, but, but, but to turn our hearts to God, and trying to learn who he is and about his love. And we look at scripture and we go out and pray and we see his beauty and creation. And these things bring life to our bones. Um, are we eagerly wanting to receive from God? Are, are we, and we have that heart. You, you want to examine every day having this as part of our lives is who we are. I want this sermon to inspire us, especially during this time when we have some time that we haven't had in a, in a long time to get eager about the truth. Um, this, this song came to me this morning. I woke up this morning about five o'clock and, and, and this, after studying this out, getting ready for the sermon, I thought of this song from Evanescence. All right. And we see, we see truth. This, this could totally be a Psalm in the Bible. And this is this longing that we all have. They're speaking to about, about coming alive to God, coming alive, to the truth and seeking the truth. And, uh, and, and some of us may know this song, um, but listen to this. He says, how can you see into my eyes like open doors leading you down into my core where I've become so numb without a soul, my spirit sleeping somewhere cold until you find it there and lead it back home. Wake me up inside. Wake me up inside. Call my name and save me from the dark. 
Bid my blood to run before I come undone. Save me from the nothing I've become. And I think for so many of us, we need to wake up. Wake me up inside, Lord. Help me to seek. And we, when we start hearing truth and, and seeing it around us and seeing it in people, let it draw us to them. Let it draw us to Scripture. Let it wake us up inside. We're created to learn about God. We're created to be truth seekers. Uh, here, even Evanescence is speaking to this longing that we have, a longing for what? Longing for truth, longing for God. Um, there was a great quote by uh, Arthur Frank Holmes. He was a kind of a modern Christian philosopher, uh, was a professor of philosophy at Wheaton College. And he wrote a book, it's, it's titled, All Truth is God's Truth. All truth is God's truth. Think about that for a moment. We, we can see, I mean, science reveals truth about God. It does. Nature. The heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19 says. Uh, let our hearts hunger for the truth of God. Are we listening? Are we searching? Are we seeing Jesus as the embodiment of truth? Are we receiving? Are we practicing? Jesus says, to those who did believe in him, I think most that are listening to this today or seeing this today do believe in Jesus, but we still have so much to learn. So much to learn about the truth of God. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the more we practice, more we practice our beliefs, the more we become assured that these truly are God's truths. The way of Jesus works. The way of Jesus is God's truth. I want to encourage us today to be eager. Find something that inspires you. I'm, I'm loving this new podcast I'm listening to, Marty Solomon, the Bayma podcast. I'm learning so much from a Jewish rabbi who is a christian a believer in in jesus teaching me about the old testament i'm learning things i never knew before uh i'm craving the truth it's bringing me alive are you a truth seeker um let god lead us i want this to be the church we are a, a group of people that are that are hungering uh for the knowing god in a deeper way and understanding his truth. Hope this encourages you today. Hope this helps shape us today. Hope it helps us not to be just defenders of our religion, but true seekers of the truth. Let's be inspired by those who had the humility uh, to listen and to go back and study and read and make decisions, life-changing decisions uh, in their faith. We see in the book of Acts.